Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 Four nine seven two. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's Monday, July seventeenth. Hot dog days of summer, and we're in the midst of them, especially here in Texas. We welcome you from all over the different country. Now, when you dial in a little early, I get to turn on the microphone and talk to different ones. We have Anna with the Idaho Housing Authority dialed in. We have uh, David Stevens, who's going to be our guest in the Hot Topic segment, also dialed in. We're going to continue our conversations about GSE reform. And as you recall, last week we had Bill Cosgrove, President and CEO of Home, Union Home Mortgage, former chairman of the MBA, uh, on the Hot Topic segment last week. If you did not listen to that, I encourage you to go back and listen to that discussion. Really good interview. Uh, Bill does a great job. He's a real advocate, as you know, for the independent mortgage banker. And he answered a lot of, or dispelled a lot of the concerns and answers a lot of the questions of why GSE reform is good for independent mortgage bankers. He also paid a big compliment to the Mortgage Bankers Association of America and David Stevens on the job that the whole MBA is doing for the whole industry, not just for the big guys, not for the little guy. It's for the whole industry. And we're going to hear about that because we have David Stevens, CEO of the MBA, joining us in the Hot Topic segment. We're always grateful for the relationship we have with the MBA. It's a great partnership. And if you're not a member of the MBA, come on. What are you waiting for? There's so much the MBA does for us. And Bill drives this point home. You need to become a member of the MBA. And it's so affordable. Get a hold of Trish Megliazzo. You don't have her information. You get a hold of me. Trish is a dear friend, and I'm a big fan of what the MBA is doing. All right. Well, let's talk about what this, uh, is, this is about here. Well, first of all, we should start off by thanking our sponsors, ArchMI, the creator of the new innovative Race Star program is uh, one of our advertisers. Thank you, ArchMI. Also, Motivity Solutions, providing real-time reporting and dashboard scorecards. How can you run a business without knowing what's going on in real time? That's what Motivity Solutions is all about. Now a part of the Black Knight family. Also, Velma, an efficient, effective mortgage marketing and email platform, getting your message out. Great way to go about it. Also, I would like to say a big thank you to the Mortgage Collaborative. We're proud to be a part of that network. As they say, David Kittle and the team there at the at the Collaborative says, the power of the network. Rich Zerbinski and everybody will hear about that a little bit later on. Of course, now, Finestra, which is now the old DNH, which was bought by Vista, which is combined with MySyst to become, I think they're going to be one of the largest, I think the fourth largest largest. Uh, fintech company in the in the world, and uh, certainly one of the largest here in the United States. So very exciting! I just got my invitation. I'll be speaking at their user conference in Florida here at the end of August. So a lot going on at DNH. You can hear a little bit about them a little bit later. The Mortgage Spot application is still alive and well. You can still go dnh.com, but it will you'll redirect you to the new website. 
Let's see here. So much, so much to talk about. It's July 17th again. I already mentioned that. For those of you who are listening, downloaded, we appreciate so many people listening to this on a live basis. Uh, special thank you goes out to Alice and Andy and Joe and Sam for their contributions to the program. It makes the content so rich and uh, very grateful. Let's see here. Have you read the Christman Report lately? Love Rob, and he does a great job getting a report out. We're the audio version of getting the word out to the industry. Rob does a great job. Probably one of the most widely read publications that go out that are independent of anyone. I encourage you to go read Rob's the latest report. Does a great job, and a good friend, Rob Christman. So if you haven't read the Christman Report today, do so. Also, check out the website at the NBA. They've got a lot of great resources. But if you have not registered for the annual convention that's coming up in Colorado, the NBA annual convention. I encourage you to do so. I'm registered for it. It's October 22nd through the 25th. I strongly recommend that you connect, or, I mean, get registered and attend this conference. There are so many things that are going to be discussed in this very important uh, the conference. You could say, well, isn't every conference important? Yes. Uh, it is. It, but this one is going to be really good. Uh, there's My good friend David uh, Kittle is going to be there, and I'm uh, excited. There will be some more announcements coming out about why he's there and going to be getting probably get some prominent time. But uh, very excited to have everybody uh, or to meet everybody up at the annual convention. So be there. Don't Wait, get registered before all the hotel rooms go, and you have to be bussed in from way out uh, too far away. All right, so then also we got the Mortgage Collaborative Conference coming up. Very excited about this year's. It's going to be in Nashville. If you go to Mortgage Collaborative Summer Conference, it'll bring it up. Google that. It'll come right up. Get registered for that conference. That is, again, in a great place, Nashville. This is where industry leaders get together. So power of the network. If you're not a part of it, get registered. Get there at that conference. So two great conferences coming up. I've already talked about the uh, DNHs or now Finestra's um, upcoming conference for their New Users Conference. If you're not at that, I would encourage you to consider that as a conference to attend as well. For all the MBA conferences, Google MBA conferences edu and education, and you'll get a good list of everything. Of course, you can go out to Sam Garcia's website at Mortgage uh, at Mortgage Daily, and you'll get a good update. He too has an excellent list of everything. MortgageDaily.com, all the conferences, but uh, definitely want to see you at the MBA annual conference. All right, so let's get into it. Joe Farr is with us, as he is each and every week. Hey, Dave. I think we've covered everything, Joe. The opening stuff, get that all covered, and uh, important That's stuff. That's a mouthful. Yeah. yeah, I know a lot to go. So well, let's talk about what's going on in the markets. Interesting day. Well, the, you know, today we're up a couple thirty seconds. Not much uh, movement. We've been up as much as four, and and spent some of the time unchanged for the day. So it's not been a volatile day. The New York Empire State Index came out pretty much. Uh, uh, well, a little short of expectations, but it really didn't have much of an impact on the market. Uh, so uh, looking at last week, uh, MBS prices uh, ended the week about a quarter of a point higher, and that means mortgage rates were a little bit lower. They fell by four or five, 30, or four or five basis points. At one point on Friday, though, we were another quarter point higher, looking to have a very big week, but uh, the market kind of took away the gains. You might remember Friday morning, the mm -hmm. retail sales came out and CPI came out. Both were uh, 
weaker than expected. Uh, retail sales uh, fell short, and CPI basically showed no uh, change in the very low inflation rate. And MBS prices improved by a quarter of a point immediately after the uh, the uh, events were released, announced, and much like they did last time uh, in June when these two retail sales and CPI were released on the same day. They were weak, and they uh, spurred a real nice rally in MBS prices, did the same on Friday. But the market took it all away. By the end of the day, MBS prices were back to where they began. So uh, didn't get the longer-term benefit of that. In fact, there was a lot of unfavorable price changes on Friday yeah. with, uh, with a good beginning, and, and then it fell to pretty much steadily throughout the day. Earlier in the week last week, uh, though, Fed Chair Yellen's testimony before Congress, actually in her written testimony before her actual testimony began, provided a nice little spark for the market, both stocks and bonds. Uh, for the bond market, what was interesting in her comments, because most of what she said was just re- reiterating things that she and other speakers had said um, in the in the prior speeches, but uh, she talked about the neutral rate. She talked about the, the yeah. neutral rate being lower than what it has needed to be in the past and uh, defines the neutral rate as the rate which neither simulates nor restrains the economy. And uh, with that, uh, with her perception that the neutral rate would be lower in the current recovery than it has been in the past, it tells the market that there will be fewer Fed funds rate hikes, or if they're not fewer, they're going to be lower. The Fed funds rate hike might rise to be a lower uh, amount than what it has risen to in, in prior recoveries. And so uh, the market really liked that. And uh, uh, again, saw both stocks and bonds react favorably to this idea that the, the, the rate at which they stopped raising the Fed funds rate might be a lower rate than what had been expected. Uh, the economic data that came out last week were all pretty much uh, all pretty much fell short of expectations. Uh, as I mentioned, retail sales were disappointing. See, uh, both CPI and PPI were lower than expected. The JOLTS report showed fewer job openings in the month before. Consumer sentiment fell, and uh, you know all this negative or or not as good economic data was good for uh, MBS prices and mortgage rates. Looking at this week, Dave, there's not a lot on the calendar. Uh, they got the National Association of Home Builders Confidence Index comes out on Tuesday. Housing starts on Wednesday. Philly Fed on Thursday. And the biggest event may come from the ECB meeting, uh, the two-day yep. meeting on Thursday. On Thursday. And uh, they, uh, the ECB is not expected to provide much detail on what they will do with their balance sheet, with the taper of their purchase program. And... Um, uh, but they're likely to provide some guidance as to why when they do that on in September, it's not a big deal. So uh, be, it'll be important to uh, to pay attention, and I'm not sure uh, exactly what time uh, Mario Draghi will follow up the meeting with a, a press conference, but uh, do pay attention on Thursday. That could be the big market mover. It. Housing start. Yeah, I'm really interested also looking at what housing starts are going to be like. I, I just like – 
I was at a, we've launched this new board of advisory service, and uh, so we're being board of advisors for some key institutions and providing that, and it's it's like a, it's an advisory board, you know, advising the industry, and we were talking about uh, Jay Brinkman on this board with me, I invited him to join, Jay and I have been good friends for a long time, and uh, he was talking about housing, we were talking generally uh, about how much, um, how much there is regulation, how long it takes to get lots out. And uh, should be interesting. Right. Maybe David Stevens can shed some light on it. I know they're more closely with the home builders, but man, we got to see these housing starts, you know, kick off. Otherwise we're going to continue to have just too tight a rapid price appreciation. So hopefully we'll see that number. It's anticipated to come in slightly higher, I see. So I'll be paying attention to that. But Yeah, it's one, uh, uh, the schedule show a pretty nice improvement over the prior month. So, yeah, um, we sure need the need the inventory. We certainly do. Good job, Joe. Don't know how anyone uh, runs their business, especially when you got a day like Friday going on. I was uh, was uh, soaking in the pool, getting the final <laughs> updates, holding my cell phone, looking at the market. You do a great job. I'm very pleased with uh, the whole website and it's mobile. That's what I like about best. So when I'm out there at the end of my day, soaking in the pool, watching and reading commentary. I can do it on your app. Stay tuned. Stay focused. Thank you. Really good. Good stuff. Appreciate it, folks. We're going to be right back with Les Parkers. You betcha. I know you can't wait to be on with David Stevens, so we're going to have you on during that segment, too. Uh, We're going to stay back in a minute after this brief ad break with with Les Parkers' macro view of what's going on. But stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility for the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked the loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain? Explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available. MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text message. These are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs. With MBS Quoline, you'll never be out of touch with the market. Whether you're in the office or on the road. See for yourself what MBS Quoline can do for you. Go to mbsquoteline.com to start a risk-free two-week trial. mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. You know, I'm looking up and down the uh, dial to all the people dialed in. It is amazing. Every time we have David Stevens on the program, it draws one heck of a big crowd. And we've got People all over the United States dialed in and listening. So appreciate you all tuning in. Love to have you make this a regular part of the way you stay informed on what's going on. We're talking about GSE reform a little bit later on in the program in the Hot Topic segment. But right now, we've got uh, uh, Les Parker, who has created some uh, mac- a little bit gives a macroeconomic view of what's going on, and he always puts it with a music parody. I always like to see what he's got. So let's see what Les Parker has to say with Loan Logics. Thanks, Dave. This is Market Logics Live, sponsored by Loan Logics. See if ball cares. Go on, go on now, but don't turn around because it's going to see EM breaking. When the herd moves, things can get ugly fast. Consider emerging market sovereign bond ETFs. 
BlackRock tells us that their exchange-traded fund, backed by emerging market bonds, bring price discovery to an otherwise opaque market. Yet the underlying assets are illiquid. What happens when the emerging market bonds' prices start to drop? Investors sell. A lot of redemption leads to a liquidity crisis. These views are my own. Go to LoanLogics.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Catchy, catchy. Good job, Les and company. Always enjoy those comments. We've got Alice dialing in from Cleveland. She is now a part of Union Home Mortgage. We had her boss on last week, Bill Cosgrove, talking to us about what's going on. And I know you were in a meeting. Thank you so much, Alice, for joining me, able to join in. Good to have you here with us. Thanks, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, this week, I know uh, whenever Dave Stevens is on the show, I like to make sure he gets as much time as possible because I just he's so articulate and I love all the information. So I'm going to go quickly here <laughs> um, <laughs> for, for folks here. Uh, my main segment today is to talk to you about the latest thing going on with the credit reporting changes in tax liens and civil judgments. So I've heard a lot of press a lot of warning signs, a lot of things going on out there where, you know, it's really difficult today to get a handle on what is the real impact for the mortgage operations and sales shops in my deals today, right? Is, am I going to have one in 10 deals, one in 100 deals, one in 1,000 loans that are going to be impacted by the changes by the fact that you may have a tax lien or judgment that are no longer appearing on the credit report? The reason things aren't appearing um, is July 1st, the CRA's National Consumer Assistance Plan that they had to live up to as a result of the Attorney General of New York's um, settlement with them was that they had to make sure that they were more thorough before they put things on the report, tax liens and judgments in this case. It does not affect collections. There's been some misunderstandings out there that people think, you know, their credit's really going to be difficult to track down. But you do have the issue that... Um, about now is when you'll start seeing it because you ran the credit reports at the beginning of July. It'll probably take until they get to underwriting where fraud guard reports are run, and maybe then is when you start picking up of extra um, uh, credit that might be out there. Or maybe you've subscribed to a service through your credit bureau and you are finding these things at least a few steps into processing. Um, so to make things clear for everybody, uh, what we are seeing across the uh, industry is lenders really have a little bit of a wait and see right now to see what is the real impact in their pipeline of business before they start trying to move too much cost right up to the pre-qualification stage uh, to identify if any tax liens or judgments. So we're watching this, um, talking to other lenders in the industry to just see where, where this is going to fall. And it'll vary whether you're a regional or, or national lender, certainly, as well as far as what your numbers look like. Um, so that's a heads up that we're still in. Take a good application mode. It goes back to some fundamentals here. Ask your borrower, add application. Do you have any tax liens or judgments? Make sure you put the question on the table, even though we all know they will not remember all the time, either on purpose <laughs> or by accident. <laughs> and, yep. Um, right. So uh, that's just my tip for today. This is in play now. You need to be careful at application. 
and companies will, are watching it, and Fannie and Freddie are just watching it, too, for the next 30 to 60 days to see what the impact really will be. Um, we do have a couple of um, proposed rules out there that we're watching, but we'll touch base on those next week. So thanks, and that's my report for today, Dave. I'll pass it back to you. Good job. Good job. Good job, Alice. Yeah, I think we're, this credit report thing is going to be really interesting, and there's a lot of misnomers on it out there. So if you could um, – if you could kind of help our listeners as you talk each week about some of these things, bring some clarity to that, and uh, let's let's dispel some of the misinformation that's being passed around out there about the, the credit report stuff. That'd be good. Excellent. I'm glad you covered it. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick break with a couple of sponsors, and then we're going to be back with Sam Garcia and uh, get an update on some of the headlines. All right, folks, stay tuned. We'll be right back after these brief ad breaks. Are you using one of those expensive CRMs that your loan officers won't use? If so, then give my friends at Velma a call and let them help you create a customer journey that relies on the data and not on loan officer interaction. I encourage you to consider working with Velma to create a truly automated marketing experience for your organization. Velma makes marketing automation easy. Schedule a demo today at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A dot com. Hey, thanks a lot, David. Finastra is extremely proud to be a key sponsor of the Licking On Lending Program. Known formally as DNH, Finastra's global lending division provides end-to-end solutions and innovation to the full spectrum of lenders, including independent mortgage bankers, community banks and credit unions, and even the largest banks globally. Learn more about how you provide an innovative digital experience for your borrowers by leveraging our multi-channel point-of-sale solution, which includes the new MortgageBot Mobile by visiting our website at finastra.com. All right, we've got Sam Garcia with us. It's always good to have Sam dialed in. You know, he last week he was out in California. Sam, are you still out there enjoying the California sun? Listen, here's what happened, David. I, I went home yesterday, uh, took off from Orange County, had a change of planes in Phoenix, and our engine caught on fire. So there's uh, no! fire trucks coming all over the place. They had to, you know, get everyone off the plane. There was no, you know, there was no time we felt like we were in danger or anything. But they, it was Southwest Airlines. They got us on another plane and it was just an hour late. So I was really impressed with after going through all that, getting us all changed in plane and uh, getting us there on time or relatively on time, considering uh, the alternatives. So. <laughs> Well, we know what's that's interesting. It's interesting. Friday, I was flying. I was flying home Thursday from uh, Dallas, and our flight was delayed because a plane caught a fire in Texas. I mean, at the Austin airport. Now they padded out, they, but they had to evacuate the airport. So, you know, it's hot in Texas when plane engines start getting on fire here. Yeah, we feel pretty safe with with the the system out there, and certainly Southwest, I think, has got the best safety record out there on the planet, and best one of the best PR campaigns. I and mean, you look at United Airlines and how they get man. <laughs> Take some lessons there. Anyway, Billy, we're not talking about aviation here. This is not an aviation report. We got a mortgage update report. So what you got for us? Great website o- for those who are not familiar with this, mortgagedaily.com. Sam, take it away. Okay, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency published its mortgage metrics report last week, and that reflected um, basically numbers on $3.4 trillion in loans serviced by seven of the biggest banks. And um, delinquency of at least 30 days on on those loans, they were closed-end purse liens and uh, home equity loans, um, 
that was 4.4% including foreclosures. Um, that was a 90 basis point improvement from the final quarter of last year. So that was pretty impressive. Uh, those are loans, of course, serviced by big banks. Um, but the report did indicate that foreclosures initiated and completed both increased. FHA endorsed $20 billion in residential loans in April. Um, we include single-family, Title I, and uh, home equity conversion mortgages in those uh, numbers. And um, in addition to falling from uh, $21 billion last year, new applications tumbled too, so it looks like uh, we're going to see another decrease in volume when they report the numbers for May. Um, our mortgage market index report for last week soared 61% from the seven days that included uh, July 4th, so that would be expected that we'd see an increase. Um, of course, that index reflects rate lock volume, uh, open close, and provides insight into future mortgage production. But business was down, uh, gosh, nearly a fifth since the same week last year. Um, ARM activity, though, uh, which can be pretty volatile sometimes, more than doubled from the prior week and was up a quarter from the same week last year. So it was really strong. And um, arm share ballooned to 10% from just 7% in the prior report. So interesting activity on arms. Um, Wells Fargo home lending uh, activity jumped. Uh, as you know, Dave, earnings season started on Friday, and we sift through the quarterly reports to extract mortgage operational metrics. And one of the financial institutions to report Friday was Wells Fargo, which said it uh, originated $56 billion in single-family loans during the second quarter, much better than the $44 billion in the uh, first quarter. And in addition, an indication of third quarter activity, which of course is currently in process, um, new applications soared to $83 billion in the second quarter from $59 billion in the previous period. So we're looking at an increase, uh, which is interesting because, you know, all the forecasts pretty much call for a decline after this second quarter period. Um, so it looks like Wells is going to uh, defy that particular prediction. Um, and that's not necessarily the case for all the other ones that we've covered so far. I think we've got a handful uh, so far that we've covered, and they don't have those same kind of results thus far. Um, Quicken Loans um, was one of uh, two mortgage litigation stories we picked up on the wire service. Um, it, it, was, it had a loss in an appraisal lawsuit, and a Quicken spokesman called the case the latest example of predatory plaintiff law firms, and Quicken said it's confident the ruling will be overturned on appeal. And then another lawsuit uh, was uh, one against Wells Fargo, and a former employee late alleges that uh, the lender falsely blamed prospective borrowers for delays uh, that were actually responsible for the rate lock extension fees that they had to pay, um, and in fact, the employee says it was the bank's uh, delays that caused that. Um, one other thing I wanted to just cover real quick was that there was a HELOC sale last month, uh, last week. Uh, MIAC announced that it arranged the sale of around $52 million in performing and not performing uh, HELOCs. And the seller was, quote, a large bank, close quote. And uh, those are some of our biggest headlines. And I'll let you get on to the good part of your show. I'm looking forward to hearing David Stevens. Still there, Dave? Okay. Well. Uh, you know what? That's what happens when you you put a mute your button to drink a cup of coffee and not slurp in everyone's ear. So, you know, there's this saying that a whale only gets harpooned when it comes to the surface and spouts off. And, uh, you know, look at these, these frivolous lawsuits. I, I, 
anything I think some of these lawsuits are just they're just looking for fee income. The plaintiff bar is alive and well, folks. And you just need to be aware of it. And the bigger companies, it just draws it. It's it's just one of those things I'm so disgusted. Last our last mortgage company, we got two class actions in one year. Now we in, in the same year from the same attorney. And uh, so we defeated it. We over, we were victorious, but the money and distraction that that causes. So our heart goes out to the, our good friends there at Quicken, of course, as well as Fargo as well, uh, for that kind of distraction craziness. So thanks, Sam. Appreciate it very much for bringing us an update. Always and thank you for uh, coming back on. I was afraid I was going to have to resort to my joke list, and it's not funny. <laughs> well, uh, I'll try to remember when I put myself on mute. I need to put a big keep my finger on there or something so anyway so right, good great. to have you back back in texas sam glad to hear you made it here safely flame on flaming planes and all so anyway check it out mortgagedaily.com or email sam at sam garcia at mortgagedaily.com and we're going to be right back let's hear a word from the about the collaborative the Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The Collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Swarbinski at 440-552-0691. The power of the network. Yeah, it's so true. You know, it's, it's, it's what you know, certainly, but oftentimes it's who you know. So get it connected with the Collaborative. The NBA does a great job of all their conferences, and the Collaborative is just a, a smaller, more intimate-type network of uh, people there. So it's very good stuff, and we're thrilled to have the partnership and be a member of the Collaborative. Another company that we're very proud to have as our sponsor is ArchMI. They do a great job of leading. So, Shawnee Honnadale, what you got for us today? How are you still leading the herd? Let's Thanks, find out. David. Glad to be a sponsor. Spring home buying's underway. The supply is tight and interest rates are rising. Are lenders ready to compete for purchase business, or will they get left behind? ArchMI RateStar is the best way to stay aggressive and stay ahead of the herd. Use our risk-based pricing program to assess individual loan risk more precisely. With RateStar, lenders lead their market the way ArchMI leads the MI industry. Lead with us. Great. They are leaders. No out leaders in the marketplace thanks shawnee very much you know what andy shell the profit doctor is on usually at this time he's up in anchorage uh he's on a train right now he thought he might have self-service and it is not like you know taking the train to sell it from uh from new york down to dc uh it's they don't have a probably kind of train uh, the cell phone coverage so he uh, said greetings to everybody want to make sure you're all aware of the mba webinar that he's doing through the educational division of the mba it's on servicing it's wednesday this wednesday july 19th at 1 p.m central time and uh, 2 p.m eastern time get registered for it last week's session he's doing i think it's four sessions uh through the mba on the educational arm <clears throat> and is doing a great job it was very well attended lots of interest in servicing right now and uh no small reason especially with what's going on potential of gse reform which we're going to be talking about in the hot topic segment so let's switch over to uh just before we bring david stevens on let's switch over to motivity solutions get the kpi of the week john maynell which which kpi do you have for us Thank you, David, very much. Great to be here, as always. And this week, we have another underwriting-focused key performance indicator, and the KPI is Average Resubmits Per File. 
This single measurement can not only help lenders develop consistency in underwriting and optimize departmental processes, it can also guide business users to examine contributing tasks and processing that affect this number. KPIs in practice, and you might say by definition, are constantly on display and updated in near real time, making it much easier to pinpoint however many friction points may be combining to produce a given effect, like number of resubmissions, which can also vary by product type, another aspect that the KPI can uncover, demonstrating once again that what gets measured gets results. And with that, Dave, I will turn it back to you. Thanks very much again. Thank you, John. What gets measured gets results, and you can measure it with motivity. Well, without further ado, we have a lot of people dialed in literally from coast to coast. I'm looking up and down the switchboard. It just amazes me how many people dialed in anytime we have David on. We got good listeners all over the nation most of the time, but it always grows just a good amount when we have David Stevens on the program. David, I just want to make sure that your mic is on and you can hear us all right and you're you're on. I I can I can hear you great, David. How you doing? Good, good. Thank you so much again for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to join us and again david congratulations on the great health report uh how you built you're beating cancer and uh i'm just great to hear you got a clean bill of health and so congratulations friend thanks david appreciate it i really appreciate your leadership on this and we've got you we've recorded an interview of you that's going to be in the liquid on leadership program which we're on launching in in august and you're going to be the kickoff uh, interview of that Lickin' on Leadership program. We want to honor you with that. But I really appreciate how transparent you were to the industry and to the world about what you went through and uh, exemplary on your attitude and uh, your overcoming uh, approach to it and how the support of your family is really, really good. Also, um, want several people, and as soon as we put the word out that they heard that you were going to be our guest, I got a ton of requests saying, How's it going with the new administration? How is your interaction with them? Love to get your perspective on that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I've always been a fiscal conservative, and um, uh, when it comes to financial services, it really is not a partisan subject. And, um, you know, in all honesty, I had some pretty significant uh, misgivings to the you know, final years of the Obama administration that I didn't, I don't think they cleaned up a lot of what could have been uh, done to improve the lender's ability to meet the needs of consumers in communities across the country. And that comes both on the regulatory front, the enforcement front, um, as well as ultimately dealing with uh, these two big companies in conservatorship. And uh, what I've found in the new administration are people who understand our business and really are seeking us out for information. So I'm uh, on a, looking at a letter right at a letter on my desk that I just received from Craig Phillips, who's the counselor to the secretary and headed up the uh, executive order on uh, regular re- regulatory reform in the financial services industry. And he literally called me in the opening of your show. So I had you on hold talking to him on the phone. Uh, but we were able to bring a large group of our members in, talk about uh, the regulatory relief needs. And they literally all showed up in the, uh, in the ultimate report, um, reflecting you know almost word for word much of the MBA's proposals, but between that and Secretary Carson and the folks in the National Economic Council under Gary Cohn, um, we're we're very actively engaged. I'm very personally involved. I was in the White House last week for several hours, um, meeting with the, with various individuals. So uh, it's it, you know aside from what you all are seeing on CNN or Fox or whatever you watch. 
um, that's that that is a bit of a distraction. Unfortunately, there's some really good people yeah. in the administration who care about housing. So that's where we spend our that's time. That's encouraging. Working. That yeah. is really encouraging. And you've been an advocate. You certainly have testified before the Senate Banking Committee at least several other times, at least one other time I know of. But you recently testified on June 29th before the Senate Banking Committee on the topic that we're going to be talking about today, and that's GSE reform. Had a lot of people write. And the questions kind of go from how did it go, how did you what, – what were you think their number one concerns are? So if you could just kind of give your – a synopsis of that. And by the way, folks, listeners, you can download, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, you can download uh, David's testimony and you can read it word for word or how it went. Uh, but David, what, what's the temperature within that committee about GSA GSE reform? Yeah, that's, it's a great question, David. So this has been going on for some time. Obviously we've, you know, we're very engaged with uh, the chairman of the committee, uh, Senator Crapo. I had dinner with him uh, a few months back uh, the ranking member, uh, the Democrat from Ohio, Sherrod Brown, uh, we did an event for him in New York City, and I spent a, a lot of personal time with him as well, along with many other members of the committee, including uh, Senators Corker and Warner, who were the original founders of the famous Corker-Warner legislation. But um, here's what I would tell you at a very high level, which is um, this committee is <clears throat> different than it was the last time they took up GSC reform. Uh, for one primary reason, they've learned a lot. Um, it, almost everybody on the committee was involved in the last round under Johnson Crapo, and they learned what they liked and they learned what they didn't like. They learned what was too complex and wouldn't work, but they're all uh, equally engaged in a legislative process. It's, it's bipartisan. Um, I've done multiple meetings in front of the committee uh, over the last several months, uh, not just going through our, our, the MBA's plan, but in, in a couple of panels where they were asking us both about multifamily and single family uh, with some of our peer uh, large trade organizations that represent, you know, the bankers and home builders, et cetera. And, um, you know, it is clear that this is a bipartisan effort. Both the Democrats and Republicans are working together. And Chairman Crapo, who's a Republican from Idaho and chairs the banking committee, has made clear uh, that he wants this to be a bipartisan effort. So I was called to testify in the first hearing that the committee's held uh, under this new Congress, and it was on, uh, other than uh, nomination hearings, but it was on uh, GSE reform, and there were only three panelists. It was myself, uh, oh, okay. Ed, DeMarco, Ed DeMarco, who's the former FHFA director and obviously played a role in looking at it last time, and then the third panelist was Mike Calhoun, who's a consumer advocate. So uh, that they, it was interesting for me. I've testified in front of that committee a number of times, and this was the only time I've been in a hearing where they only wanted three witnesses. It was the uh, uh, the first hearing in the GSE reform process, uh, and I was the only one representing truly the industry. So it, it was a, a very productive dialogue, and I found that both from both the Democrat and Republican side, while you know Democrats may be more concerned about affordable lending and making sure that that's appropriately addressed in, in the GSE reform process, I will tell you from Elizabeth Warren uh, to Bob Corker on the you know take the left and the right, it doesn't matter where you go in that committee, they are all supportive of uh, ending wow. this conservatorship through a legislative reform process. And I can talk more about that and why it has to be legislated, but uh, they are clearly dedicated to that effort. That, that's really amazing. When you look at the ideolo ideological spread that's within that group, um, and to hear that there, it sounds like there's good alignment. Is, is that the best way to say that from, from the various I mean, the consumer groups? Are they really for this? I mean, 
Do they see well, the benefits of it? Here's what's changing. Here's what every listener should focus on because uh, it's really easy to become, um, you know, put into a false sense of confidence with this status quo scenario under conservatorship. But I, I'll tell you, if if you're a lender in this country, you should be calling for reform for only one reason, if nothing else. Um, Director Watt's going to leave his job uh, at the latest at the end of next year, and there's going to be a new director. And, you know, members, I, I've spent a lot of time with this administration, more than most, I, w- I would say, and uh, in our industry. And they've been, they've been talking, you know, they're beginning to talk about names. And you've got to think about what would happen if you had someone who reflects a view that the government's role in housing is too big. And what if we get a new FHFA director that – uh, doesn't care about the level playing field we've created on G fees and and credit policies across the country. Uh, what if they want to scale back loan limits or raise uh, G fee prices so that quote unquote private capital can uh, squeeze its way back into the market? Um, this this dependence on Fannie and Freddie for our housing system is extremely important, but it's also scary to me in that. Uh, there's going to be a significant regime change over the next 24 months in the regulator that has provided us all this sense, uh, this false sense of security, in my view. And the and the consumer activists are now realizing that as well. They now are recognizing the fact that Mel's going to be gone, who's been, in essence, a supporter of keeping the government's role sizable in, in housing finance. Uh, but for all of us who know that there really is no secondary market for non-agency business, you know, if Ginny May and the GSEs, um, and there is no securitization market outside of that. It, it's our, our whole industry lays right now at risk if we don't one lock in the protections that we've created for all lenders, large and small, bank and non-bank, and two recognize that this regulator is about to change. Uh, and I saw what happened under the previous acting director, Ed DeMarco, who's a good friend, but he was raising guarantee yep. fees, scaling back yeah. multifamily caps by 10% a year. And he had a lot more in mind that he just uh, didn't beat the legislative clock on and got replaced. So uh, yeah. really important time, and Congress recognizes this. Well, it's, it's so important. Bill Cosgrove did a good job last week when we interviewed him talking about this. And he talked about the agendas that are out there, and there's many of them. We don't want to focus on those. I want to focus on the MBA's paper. And Alice and Joe, I'm going to get you on in just a moment on this. But the MBA has published uh, a paper that I think is excellent, well-written. And the best part is you did it by bringing together a number of executives. Let's talk about the creation of this paper briefly, David. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I want to get into the substance of it. But yep. this was done – at a, by by a, a committee? Is that, is that the proper way to say it? But a, a large group of constituents within the mortgage industry. Talk about it. Yeah, so just to be clear, this, this paper was put together under the uh, direction of the board of directors, of which um, uh, the chairman of the board of directors was an independent mortgage banker at the time, uh, but wanted to put together uh, a committee to address two things. And, and, and it was under the, under the real reality, the recognition that GSC reform had to come up. It, it, there, this state of conservatorship is going to end, uh, and we, we know this inside here. So um, the committee consisted of both multifamily and single-family originators that represent all the programs that uh, the GSEs provide. As you know, our membership is large, and it consists of both sides of, uh, of the lending aisle, both on the uh, multifamily and, and single-family side. And then on the single-family side, it represented um, – uh, 
small non-bank originators, community banks, uh, credit unions, regional banks, and a couple of uh, large banks. And uh, Bill Cosgrove, uh, Al Blank, who's uh, obviously plays a very senior role in his company, sat on the on the committee, uh, and it was a very strong advocate for the the policy we created. But um, it, this isn't something you do quickly. And I would I would really encourage everybody to think about our paper. If you haven't read it, I re- wish people would read it because there are plenty of other people who are well, trying then. to define it and they're, and they're defining it inaccurately. But I would I would just say that in in reality. Um, this process took almost two years. Uh, it, 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 it did a, a significant dive into two core areas. One is uh, what's the end state that we're calling for and how do we transition to it? So rather than just talking about principles, which is what a lot of groups talk about, we wanted to give in detail what we think the best end state is. How do you transition there? What's capital going to look like? Uh, what, how do you get to this end model? How do you protect the uh, create key protections for execution for all lenders and all types of executions and all these things? The second point we knew we had to address, and it was a failure of Johnson Crapo legislation, was you have to address affordable housing. So we had a a, task, yes. a subcommittee uh, headed by Deb Still, who's a, a, non, a non-bank oh, originator yeah. out of Colorado, yep. and Deb headed that task force to focus on uh, how do we deal with affordable lending. Actually, got great reviews from the consumer advocate space, was complimented by Mike yeah. Calhoun, who uh, was in the Senate Banking Committee testimony with me a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's, we think it's a, a great framework to start from. So that, that was the core goal, and we knew we had to address both of those because the last time we went after GSE reform, it went, it went in the wrong direction. The Corker and Warner's team drafted legislation, and then we had to react to it. Um, yeah. This time, we're, we're in front of Congress before they've put pen to paper, and you know, I feel very confident that our plan is going to be uh, a core fundamental baseline that they begin working off of as they uh, begin to draft. So the timing couldn't be better. The plan is thoughtful. It addresses the core elements that they care about. It takes into account lessons learned from the last go-around. And the representative of this task force represents everybody in this phone. Um, I don't care who you are, what business you're in. You were, re- you were re- uh, represented in terms – if you're a lender on, on, on the council that put this together, the task force. Yeah, Deb still does a great job. Also, a former chairman of the NBA not that long That's ago. Correct. It seems like not that long That's ago. Correct. So anyway, yeah. GSE reform, principles, and guardrails. I'm so excited to get into this. Before we go, let's go over to Alice and then get a couple comments in and then run to you, Joe. And then I want to dive into why Congress needs to act, really kind of going through the framework of how this has been constructed, David. And uh, I wanted to present in such a way where our listeners go, i got to go grab that document and read. So, without uh, let's run over to you, Alice. Some of the questions that come to mind uh, so far. Well, thank you, and uh, thanks, Dave. So, I guess my question, you know, uh, the report is great, and um, and my question is, we have to get people's sense of urgency up, like you're describing, Dave. So, Mm -hmm. can you give us a sense of what is the timeline if we all got on the same page today, right? So, MBAs published a plan. Great question. It seems to me like. Even if we got a fire lit under this right now, we're barely going to make it in time to get something done before, you know, uh, Watt is out of office. So um, give us a sense of how fast we could do this if we got the right momentum behind it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I exchanged emails with the director at FHFA last week on this subject, and his his note to me was, please, can you help do whatever you can to get this moving (laughs) before I leave my job? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 
So, so here's the challenge. So, and I'll just tell you, I've, and I've spoken to, I mean, there's key people in the administration. Um, Andrew Ullman and the National Economic Council is, is heading this effort on that side. Craig Phillips in the Treasury Department is spearheading it on his side. And then there's a woman by the name of Shahira Knight, uh, who I've spoken to at length. She's come uh, talking to our board of directors in a few weeks, and she's heading all the tax policy issues for the president. So um, you're able to get an idea of how the, sand, the shifting of sands and where the priorities are going to be. Let me just tell you exactly what's, what, what the administration has said. Number one, they need to resolve the health care debate. And as they, dis, as they talk about resolving it, uh, I would suggest that their, their view, and, and uh, for any newspaper writer on the phone, I'm, I, this is my interpretation only, um, but I would suggest that their view is resolving it means let's just complete the process. Obviously, they'd like to get health care reform done, but one way or the other, they want to exhaust this process to see if, if it can be done, and if not, let's determine that. Next in line, obviously, is tax reform, and uh, there's significant work being done on tax reform. That's got to get to a legislative process as well. Um, and then, you know, right behind that, uh, amidst that, there's going to be some regulatory reform. We're already seeing legislation pop up in the House in particular, um, promoting some regulatory reform. And obviously, the paper from the Treasury Department has that in line. And uh, that's another good paper. I just sent it out to a bunch of my members, but it, it covers a lot of things we care about. And it's, it's thoughtful and not radical. So I think it's, it's good. Uh, but then GSE reform comes behind that. As, as Chairman Crapel will tell you, you know, the nice thing about the Senate Banking Committee is they can walk and chew gum at the same time. So it doesn't mean they stop everything when they're focused <laughs> on uh, when we're talking tax reform. It does tell where the priorities are for, um, you know, Mitch McConnell ultimately to, to allow something to go to the floor of the Senate. But it doesn't mean that the Banking Committee can't begin drafting. So they've been doing this now for a number of months. Uh, anybody who's a stakeholder who has uh, clout in Washington has – uh, been in front of the committee uh, through one of their hearings. They held them on Fridays on a regular basis, and now they're starting the hearing process. Uh, they did us last. They did you know us last week is the first hearing. They have another one coming up in a few days, and uh, they're starting that process. There won't be many hearings. Uh, they've already got a lot of information, and my expectation is they're going to begin drafting uh, here over the next couple of months. I, the White House has also been clear that they intend to put out what's called a principles paper. And the reason why they want to do that, they don't want to talk specifics, but they want to do GSE reform at a principles level. And to, to get a principles, what a principles document looks like, read our principles yeah, and guardrails that. document. That's the first of our two papers. The principles and guardrails gives um, uh, high-level objectives in a GSE reform process, but doesn't go into the details. They want Congress to be able to do the details. And my assumption is the reason why the White House is doing this is that in the end of the day, they just want to communicate to Congress that as long as whatever they legislate meets the objectives in their principles approach, then you're, you get a high probability that the president will sign off on legislation, assuming it gets through. Um, and bef the last thing before timeline, the last thing I would tell you is, and this has been told to me by both sides of the aisle, what makes GSC reform different is it's not partisan. Um, you know, there are other debates going on right now, which are very partisan, and the votes are going purely along partisan boundaries. This is financial services. It's about housing finance. And it doesn't take into it's it's not a partisan effort, and it's why you see, you know, Republicans and Democrats working together on this versus other measures. Some could argue that if they'd done this in infrastructure first, uh, we might have um, a, a better working relationship between both sides of the aisle. But um, you know, I, I think the good news is we're going to have some test runs here with flood insurance and some other smaller pieces of legislation that'll test 
how both sides of the aisle can work together, and uh, GSC reform will begin. Now, will legislation get introduced this year? Uh, will it be after the uh, – will it be early next year? Um, I feel confident that barring a complete breakdown, that we will get something uh, to look at in a legislative format somewhere towards the end of this year or in the uh, late winter, early spring of next year. And that's that's when the, the, the things will really start flowing. And uh, the, the only other thing I would emphasize to all of you is there's going to be a lot of emotion in this debate, and there's going to be a lot of uh, false accusations and uh, uh, misstatements about what people are really advocating for when this happens, because there's a lot of money on the line for for select groups that uh, have invested in these companies. So it's really going to be important for people to stay close to the facts uh, and, and not deal with the false facts. Joe, I want to go to you in just a minute, but that opens up a great opportunity for us to talk about the MBA's Advocacy Action Center, the website, and uh, urge Congress to act on GSE reform, folks. The MBA, David, Marsha, and the team there at the MBA has made it so absolutely easy for you to make your voice heard. Go to the website and fill in your name, and it'll automatically take care of it. Uh, anything you want to add to that, David, just real quickly? It's on well, the website. It, Go or, ahead. or download the app. We have a new Mortgage Action Alliance app, and you can just download it. It'll do it for you off your iPhone or whatever uh, a phone model you use, Android or what have you. It's so easy to use. And again, guys, uh, the nice thing about the Mortgage Action Alliance, which David knows all too well, is it's free. You don't have to be a, even a member of the MBA, and uh, you can join Mortgage Action Alliance. It'll notify you when something's hot in Congress and it needs your voice, and you're not obligated to it. If it's an issue you don't care about or one you maybe disagree with, don't respond. But if it is one, as, as David says, you fill in your name, you, you say where you live, it, it pre-populates the members of Congress that are uh, be, that it'll be sent to. You get to approve it before it goes, and boom, you're off to the races. So it's it's a really effective way of having our industry's voice heard, which, by the way, I think is not heard loud enough because we don't have enough mom members. We have got to – listeners, you do not have to be a member of the MBA to join this. You should be, but you don't have to be. All right, go on right. and talk on that a whole bunch. We're going to be pushing that hard uh, every program on this point. Joe Farr, good to have you here. Questions for Mr. Yeah, thank Stevens? thank you. Thanks, Dave. Uh, hey, hey, Joe. You mentioned a lot of money. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, we hear you loud. You mentioned a lot of money, and we've all heard about all the money that's flowing from the GSEs to the federal budget or the treasury does that uh, what's the consideration in that regard are there people that are uh, not for this because of that money or what's going to happen to replace that money that's going to be lost <laughs> you know it, it's funny I, I hate to do this as a former member of uh, an administration <laughs> where we talked about budget dollars you know 12 billion dollars it's important i mean it's 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 a it's a it's a reasonable amount of money but it's really a rounding error when it comes to federal budgeting so it's it's silly for me to say 12 mm-hmm. billion dollars is a rounding error but in the end of the day i will tell you that i've talked to some members of the senate banking committee who have said look you know we're not going to give up on 10 to 12 billion dollars a year unless the plan makes sense so that that's that that's that's an interesting statement that was made okay. to me once upon a time uh which i'm paraphrasing but i will tell you that you know we've created um, there's risks that the taxpayer retains as long as they hold these companies in conservatorship and uh, members of Congress recognize this and they also are fully aware that you know the changing regulator every five years of the GSEs in concert with conservatorship means that the entire housing industry is going to be subject to the whim and personality temperament 
and views of what role the GSE should play every five years by a new independent regulator, and that's just purely unacceptable. So um, we've created ways that the GSEs can continue contributing. Uh, we create a mortgage insurance fund, uh, which would be a, 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 first, a, a last loss sort of insurance protection, not too dissimilar to the way the FHA Capital Reserve Fund works. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the way f- revenues received in government, they sort of use those monies at the time for budgeting, even though they're meant for things downstream, just as we see in Social Security and other aspects of uh, the way uh, government accounting works. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to the, – the reality is, and what's made clear to me, is the plan's got to work. Um, it's got to make sense. And they're not going to just easily walk away from, you know, 10 to $12 billion a year in negative subsidy or, or returns that come into the Treasury Department from the GSEs. So uh, to that end, I think it's an important thing to recognize, but at the same time, the motivations to get uh, these two companies out of conservatorship supersedes that. Good. Thank you. They're in your paper. In the paper, there's five basic sections, why Congress needs to act, the end state, and I want to focus on the last three. That's the principles, guardrails, and transi- transition. So uh, and there, and there's, and there's 11 principles, there's 12 guardrails, and there's six points on transitions. We don't have time to cover it with the few minutes we have remaining. I'll, I want listeners, go download this. It is so well written. It's just as clear. You may not think you're – it's a great lesson on what's going on in the mortgage industry and on the secondary markets. But, David, what are the most important of these three to, that we need to be – Pick one or two from each one of these and talk about them, if you could. Oh, my God. Well, we don't even have that to do in the amount of time we've got. But let me let – me, if yeah. I could say this, David, um, it's hard to read a – what is it, 44-page paper, 40-whatever-it-is page paper of, of anybody's published. I think it's really important for everybody here to read it. I mean – I get yeah. I, I constantly read these accusations from outside groups saying that MBA represents large lenders and this this is giving yeah, it back to the big banks. If, if, but if anybody should object to this paper, it's the big banks. Um, we, yeah. we I mean read page six of the paper. It 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 talks about small lenders, why it matters. And I just want to read you one sentence from that uh, page, which would tell it all. And I'm not sure all of you were aware, but um, between 1998 and 2010. Uh, which is, you know, 98 through the conservatorship, which was in 08, and it carried forward for a couple of years till FHA, FHFA started doing its job. The market share of the 10 largest single-family originators in this country rose from 40% to 80%. Now, I know why this happened. I ran the single-family business at one of the GSEs for almost a decade. I saw the deals being cut with the largest lenders in this country, not just bank, by the way. Countrywide is, is included in that. They were given the best guarantee fee for share. Um, and I, as the head of the single-family business, I was called by members of the boards of director of, of Freddie Mac at times asking me what I was going to do to increase market share. And you don't increase market share by dropping G fees for, by a few bips for 1,000 lenders. You, raise, you, you increase market share by going and cutting a deal with Countrywide and taking a piece of that away from Fannie Mae when you're at Freddie Mac and they're giving it all to Fannie. That moves share. I, I'm completely – you know, I, I completely stand in awe at those who try to say HERA is going to protect us all going forward and, and that won't happen again. I, I, that's pure malarkey. If, if these guys were ever released and not reformed and we didn't lock in the protections for small lenders, which we've done today. And by the way, David, I brought in the two first independent mortgage bankers to meet with Ed DeMarco in 2011 when I first came uh, to MBA to call for leveling the playing field. On G, on G fees because they weren't level at the time. 
we're we're now right. almost there. It's it's whittling away, and between negotiated buy up and buy down grids, or map pricing, or special affordable lending programs being given to just a couple of larger institutions, we're already I'm already seeing some unleveling occurring. But I'm completely convinced if we don't lock in the gains and legislate yep. a level playing field where everybody gets the same G fee, it's published pricing. Everybody gets the same delivery fees. Credit terms are published. There's no secret special pilots for a preferred client of a GSE. Uh, and we get, bring true competition in, we'll just go back to history. And that concentration that occurred prior to 2008, prior to conservatorship, I believe we'll see again. Um, our market is served best with a large number of diverse business models, all competing on equal terms, where they ultimately win or lose by customer service, by operational excellence, and by the other things that make a difference in their markets, uh, not by getting a sweetheart deal for a market share agreement with the, with the, with the GSE. And so if, if you walk away with nothing else, start with that premise, reach page, page six of the report. The rest goes into, you know, what's the in-state model? We believe in competition. We want to, we think more guarantors, guarantors can enter the market. We've interviewed companies that want to be guarantors. And by the way, no guarantor can be a lender. So that means no bank, no, anybody who does loans cannot be a guarantor in the future system. We talk about capital. We talk about how you get from here to there. We hired one of the best government uh, uh, advisory investment banking firms that knows government law to help advise us on how to come up with a transition plan that works. It's, details matter in things like this. And it isn't yes. made it far less complex, but we've literally written out the roadmap, the blueprint. And I can assure all of you, and I appreciate Bill Cosgrove because he's been in, uh, he's an IMB and he's a rabid IMB uh, representative. Oh, yeah. uh, but he knows uh, all too well how we can unravel this thing. And so do, so do all the people from the task force. And so do my, you know, over 400 independent mortgage banker members. Uh, our group is bigger than any one of these small non-bank trade groups uh, that are members of the MBA that know what it means to create a system that provides equal protection and access for all lenders. We maintain the cash window. We remain, we retain securitization uh access as well, but we also level the securitization market as well as the credit markets and the pricing markets in the future model. So, you know, we're going to try to do some more webinars on this as we go forward. It is complex. It's um, so important. But it is it, complex. But yes. it, ain't, it ain't that complex where you can't just sit by the beach with a cocktail or whatever you're doing the summer vacation and say, hey, I'm going to read this thing, because that would really be the best way of getting real feedback, not from those who want to interpret our stuff as some as something that it's not. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I read it. I printed it out, looked at it. There's a great summary on the website. Then you can download, read the full paper. And then there's the full, full report, the extensive one that you've been referencing. It's excellent, well done. The detail in it is something hopefully that is going to be taken seriously by the administration. And I agree with you. I'd love to get Mel Watt on next week and try working on that. So anything you can do to help someone from FHFA <laughs> talk about this, I'd love to get that. Uh, we're trying to focus we are focusing on that for the whole month david so david thank you so much for coming on our guest this today this on this very important topic has been david stevens ceo of the mortgage bankers association and we're really fortunate to have him and i love the saying folks it's one voice one vision one resource and what a valuable resource you have and these tools now you got an app i got to download that for somehow that escaped me i've been using the website so 
Kudos, David. Thank you for all the work you're doing. And most of all, congratulations on a great health report. Good to know you're going to be with us and uh, working in the industry for a long time to get ahead. So appreciate it. And Thanks, Dave. Greet everybody and all the work that you do there. Really value it. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, we've had David Stevens, and download this, share this podcast, get to the website. I can't tell you how important it is. Download the uh, app that he, David referred to, the MBA's Advocacy Action Center app, uh, and you can do it on your cell phone. You can do it from anywhere. We're a mobile nation, so there's uh, we're, we're now everything's mobile. You can do it from wherever you're at. Next week, we're working on a surprise guest. We are trying to get someone from the FHFA. I'd love to get Mel Watts to come on and talk about it and uh, visit on this. We've also got several others that are lining up that want to comment on this. So get behind this. Most important thing you can do, listeners, is get the word out. This is underway, and it's probably the most significant initiative the NBA has underway at this moment for the future of our housing finance system in the U.S. Great to have you with us, everybody. Have a great week, and look forward to having you back next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.